Lynn Hiles Ministries presents Dr. Lynn Hiles That You Might Have Life. And here's your host, Dr. Lynn Hiles. I want to thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to tune in with us every week. And I trust that you are being blessed by the Word of God that we're sharing on the program. Uh, let me just say to you that we're going to continue today again with just one more segment on Hebrews, the seventh chapter, where we've been talking about tithing based on the new covenant. Now, this is what I personally practice and believe. I do not believe you're under a curse if you do not. And I want to be clear about that because I think that if we preach that, the only way you can curse people in the new covenant is to put them back up underneath the curse and you have been redeemed from the curse of the law, Jesus being made a curse for us. However, I do want to talk about the fact that Melchizedek is a priest who still receives tithe while Levi takes tithe, Melchizedek receives it. Before I do, I want to tell you though that this is the fifth segment I've taught on this. Uh, on just this chapter, and we're teaching the entire book of Hebrews. But if you missed any of it, you can go back to our website, and uh, uh, not just our website, yes, go to our website first, and there is a direct link from our website to our YouTube channel, where we have archived everything that we have aired to date is there for your convenience to watch on demand. There is also a direct link from our website at lenhiles.com to our Oddtunes podcast where you can get the audio portions of this. You can stream it in your car or you can put it on your smart device. However, there's also an RSS feed there for Android or devices like that. And it's a direct link. Easiest way to do it is just to simply go to my website and there's icons there that are links. And while you're there, you can check my itinerary. We're coming to a city near you and we'd love to meet you and have you in one of our meetings. We travel all the time and are itinerant, and we're probably coming to a city somewhere near you. Uh, you can also then check out all of the resources that we have there. Uh, three of our newest books are out there. Uh, I just released one called From Law to Grace, A Kingdom Paradigm Shift, where I marry the grace message with the gospel of the kingdom. And I show you that in this book that uh, we have moved from law to grace, but the government of the law, according to Corinthians 3, was written on stone, but the government of living spirit is the kingdom of God. And in the new covenant, uh, we are not under law, but we are citizens of the kingdom of God, and the kingdom replaced the law. Uh, another book that I wrote is titled The Unforced Rhythms of Grace, and it is from Matthew 11, where uh, Jesus said, Are you tired? Are you weary? Are you burned out on uh, on religion. Come to me and I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me, work with me, see how I do it. I'll teach you the unforced rhythms of grace. In this book, it talks about what flows from the incredible posture of rest. And the other book is The Revelation of Jesus Christ. And it is a book that is written about the first five to chapters of the book of Revelation, and it is to the seven churches of what they needed to repent or change their mind about that would help them move into a new covenant uh, way of thinking and paradigm. You'd be blessed by going there. We, we deeply appreciate you, and uh, there's also a place where you could sign up for our message of the month club. What we do is we send out one message every month of something we preach somewhere in the world that will be a blessing to you. It is for a subscription of $7 a month or $70 a year, and for that it helps us to take the gospel around the world. You'll be blessed by that. I want to get back in the Word today and try to summarize some things. So let's just go and read Hebrews, the seventh chapter, 
again, and we want to just kind of make some summaries here and some comments as we go. Uh, verse 1 said, For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, is the priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him. To whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all, first being by interpretation the king of righteousness, and after that also the king of Salem, which is the king of peace. So we saw that Melchizedek is the king of righteousness and the king of peace, and we understand that the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy, and it's located in the Holy Ghost. The other thing that I begin to share with you is that Abraham was returning from the slaughter of the kings of Chedorlaomer. Abraham did not give tithe to get the blessing or to get the victory. Abraham was on his way back from one. And on his way back from the slaughter of the kings of Chedorlaomer, he meets Melchizedek and he gives tithe to Melchizedek. I want to say to you that you and I are not giving to get the victory. We're on our way back from one. Jesus already won the victory at Calvary, and my giving is not to get Him to do something He's already done, or to bless me, or to put me in favor. I'm already in favor. I'm coming back and becoming a blessing because I've been blessed. He's able to make all blessing. In the New Covenant, it's full of supply. In the Old Covenant, it is full of demand. And Abraham was on his way back from the slaughter of the kings of Chedorlaomer, and he gave tithe to Melchizedek. His, he gave tithe in response to the fact that Melchizedek served him bread and wine. Bread and wine, it to me, speaks of the finished work of the cross, and it is a symbol of the new covenant. Melchizedek is the priest that flows from a new covenant, bread and wine, of the finished work of Jesus Christ. And Abraham gave tithe into that. I believe that if you're going to give tithe or give offerings, you ought to give them into new covenant-based bread and wine ministry. If someone is serving you bread and wine, it is worth your response by giving tithe or giving offerings to them. Now Abraham in his case gave a tithe of all, and he gave it to him because, and it was immediately after that, on the heels of that, that Melchizedek reiterates God's promise to Abraham of the seed. And that seed, of course, we know was Christ, but he then believed God, the Scripture said, and became the heir of righteousness by faith. So the righteousness was by faith. Abraham really points to the new covenant, righteousness by faith, because we, the, the Abrahamic covenant superseded the Mosaic covenant. That the covenant God made with Abraham was an everlasting covenant, while the covenant God made with Moses, the Scripture said, was added, Galatians 3 says, until the seed should come to whom the promise was made. Now the seed that was in the loins of Abraham was Jesus. We find later in this book of Hebrews, as we come on down through chapter 7, that it says that Levi uh, also uh, paid tithe to Melchizedek because he was yet in the loins of Abraham. I want to show you that when you come into Matthew chapter 3, again I'm reviewing some things that I've touched in other segments. But in Matthew chapter 3, John the Baptist is a priest. Malachi 3 literally, I believe, calls out John the Baptist because I, he said, I will send my messenger before your face who will prepare the way before you. That's exactly the wording that's used in Matthew chapter 3 when he said, this is the voice of one crying in the wilderness that was preparing the way and a highway in the desert for our God. 
So you see uh, Levi, or if you will, John the Baptist, who was a Levitical priest, is about to baptize Jesus in the River Jordan, and he is about to, if you will, show a picture of Levi paying the tithe that was in the loins of Abraham, because Jesus was the first fruit. He was the first fruits of them that slept. He was the firstborn among many brethren. He was the tithe. Now, if you see Jesus as the tithe, you will realize that Levi literally paid the tithe in the River Jordan when he was showing that Jesus in baptism through his death, burial, and resurrection was going to fulfill all the requirement of that tithe. Now, what I want you to see is, though, that if Jesus is the tithe and that Jesus is the first fruit, if you will bring the tithe, which is Christ, into the storehouse. I want you to see this, because in the New Testament, the temple is not a building. The temple is us. If you will bring the tithe into the storehouse. Malachi words it exactly like this. He said, if you will bring the tithe into the storehouse, then I will open you. He didn't say, I would open for you. He said, I will open you the windows of heaven and I will pour you out as a blessing. In other words, you become the spout where the glory comes out. You become the source of the blessing. And if you have a tithe living inside of you, you will never have a problem giving one. One of the things I want you to see is that he said, if the first fruit is holy, let me, I got this in my notes somewhere. If he says in, um, uh, I believe it's Romans chapter 11, let me, let me see here. Uh, I'm going to get my iPad here to not blink out. But Romans, I believe it is, the 11th chapter. It says, For if the first fruit, this is Romans 11, verse 16, For if the first fruit be holy, the lump is also holy. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. So what we see then is if the first fruit is holy, then the lump is holy. And, and then, so because the first fruit is in us, we're holy because He's holy. When He said, be ye holy for I'm holy, that means we've been separated and designated for the purpose, a certain dimension or certain purpose. The word holy doesn't mean glow in the dark or doesn't necessarily mean behavior. The angels of God standing around the throne of God are crying out to God, He's holy. He's holy. They're not saying, He behaves. He behaves. He behaves, or he wears the right outfit, or he, he's dressed holy. No, that's, that means he's other than, or he's uniquely set aside for a purpose, to set aside for a purpose. So what he's saying is if the lump, the first fruit's holy, and then that lump or that first fruit or that tithe lives inside of you, then you're also holy. You're holy because he's holy. But the reality of it is, is I want you to think about this in terms even with your, your finances. Because I started looking at, uh, you know, the scripture where it talks about money. And it talks about, you know, money is the root, or the love of money, I'm sorry. The love of money is the root of all evil. And he talks about unholy mammon. And he talks about some stuff. See, I believe there's a lot of stuff. In other words, money is in a fallen realm. It's hard to tell what the money in your wallet has been used for. Probably both good and bad, holy and unholy. Probably the ones in your pocket have been to church more than the 100s have. And I'll leave that alone. But the reality of it is, is he said that if 
the, the first fruit is holy, then the lump is holy. What I begin to understand, even in my own giving, and this is what I really believe myself, is that when I set aside the first fruit, the tithe, and I don't set it aside because I feel like I have to, because I've already taught this to you, Levi, Hebrews 7, has a commandment to take tithe of the people. Melchizedek receives it. So under the old covenant, you're forced, and they have a commandment to take it. In the new covenant, we don't take tithe, we receive it. And he said, here men that die take tithe, but there, talking about heaven, he of whom it was testified, who has no descent, receives tithe. So receiveth, it's like an ongoing thing. So this is not just something that happened that stopped with the earthly ministry of Jesus. He's still, according, I don't know how you can get around the fact that there he receives tithe. So somebody must still be offering up tithe. But see, the key word here is take and receive. Levi takes tithe, it's force. Melchizedek receives it. Receive is, it flows from your heart out of the abundance of the overflow. But here's what I think. The moment that I give tithe and I set aside my first fruit and I give it to my local church, is if the first fruit, when I, when, I, when I take that money out of unholy mammon, or if you will, out of a fallen world, the moment I set that aside as holy, this is under the Lord. I'm giving this, this is designated, and its purpose is, it's the first fruit, and it's holy. What that does then, it says, if the first fruit is holy, first, first fruit is holy the lump is holy. What happens is then the rest of my money is no longer in a cursed world. The rest of everything I have is no longer under a curse. It, if the first fruit is holy, then the rest of it's holy. So the reality of it is, is there's something I believe that God does as He begins to watch over our finances, is He begins to make all grace abound to you. And I believe this can be on multiple levels. I know people talk about, well, under the old covenant, you gave grain and you gave cattle and you gave sheep. And uh, listen, we're not talking, we're not even using Deuteronomy to talk about this. We're not talking about old covenant. We're talking about Abraham, which preceded the uh, uh, old covenant of, of, of Deuteronomy, and there's all kind of listings and rules to how that was done under the old covenant. But I believe you can give your time, your talent, and your treasure. And I believe that, uh, we, you know, uh, that, that, that there should be a heart in us because of giving because we've got a giver living inside of us. See, because the moment we realize that Jesus Christ is the tithe, He is the first fruit. And when we bring the tithe, according to Malachi, into the storehouse. Now, I showed you last week that, again, I believe John the Baptist was that priest that was to offer the tithe that was acceptable. The offering that was acceptable was Jesus. But now we bring Jesus, who is the tithe, the first fruit, into the storehouse. And he said, if you bring the tithe, which is Christ, into the storehouse, then I will open you, not open for you, I will open you as a window of heaven and pour you out. Abraham gave tithe, Melchizedek blessed him, God made Abraham rich and called him the possessor of heaven and earth. And so the reality is, is that uh, when we bring the tithe into the storehouse, we become a source and a joint of supply. I don't know about you, but I think it's more blessed to give than it is to receive because when you realize the source I believe that God wants to make a lot of people rich that are watching me. I believe that, 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 that uh, you know, again, you don't earn 
the favor of God. You've got the favor of God. That's a blanket statement, but you can steward the grace of God. He says we become stewards, 2 Peter says, of the manifold grace of God. And so I believe that you prosper and you be in health even as your soul prospers. So your health and your wealth are dependent on how you think. And I want you to get a blessing mindset because what happened is Abraham simply believed God in the next chapter and it was counted to him for righteousness and he became the father of faith because he simply believed God. What I want you to do is when you do give is to give out of faith. Give because you know you're not trying to get a victory. You're on your way back from victory. I think anything that tries to manipulate you to get the victory is, is, uh, is probably, you know, an old covenant pattern. Now, I will say this to you. I believe this. The Scripture teaches this. It's not my opinion, but Paul said, if you sow sparingly, you're going to reap sparingly. And I believe that, that when you plant a tomato plant, you're going to, if you plant a tomato seed, you're going to get a tomato plant. And I believe that there are principles here of sowing and reaping, if you give, it'll be given back to you, pressed down, shaken together. Will men give into your bosom? There's something about being a blessing to people. I've blessed people many times in my life that were not ministry or anything of that sort. Just, just wanted to be a blessing to people. And somewhere in my future, guess what? I had a time of need, and the same people that I sowed into that saw me sow are the same ones that many times gave back into my bosom. Men will give into your bosom. But I believe that when you sow that, when you give into, and I'm talking a bit, not paying tithe, I'm talking about giving. You say, well, why, why call it tithe? Because the Scripture calls it tithe. And the Scripture says there, talking about Jesus in heaven, Melchizedek, there he receiveth tithe. In other words, he's sitting in the heavens as a high priest who is a minister of the new covenant, and he's still receiving your tithe. We don't have a problem, you know, if we go into a restaurant and they suggest 15% and, and uh, we, we just, you know, automatically start there. I think that's a good place to start. And someone said, well, you know, man, I'm just a young couple. We can't afford to tithe and we don't have enough, uh, you know. And, uh, but I will say this to you. Let me just challenge you to start somewhere. Start where your heart is involved. If you can give from your heart $5, then I say give $5. You know, it's amazing to me, though, that we've always got money for the things that we really have, really want because the Scripture tells us that where our heart is, that's where our treasure is. So really, what you do with your money is really a picture of the condition of your heart. And I, I can't change your heart. Only grace can change your heart. That's why you got to come to the table and eat bread and wine from Melchizedek and eat from a mercy seat. And I will say this to you especially for young Christians who are babies. It's like in my family. Listen, my children's children, and or my children when they were young, had no resources of their own. So somebody who's mature had to pay the bills for them. And so many times that's what happens in local churches or in ministry is the people that are mature are the ones who realize, listen, this costs money and uh, we need to sow. Because I've said this uh, uh, so many times in cutting through all the fat of what you believe or don't believe about tithing, is the issue is simply this, what you don't support goes away. I don't care if it's your local church or it's your local football team. If you don't support it, it goes away. And I've seen so many grace churches that are folding because people have stopped giving when they found out that they're not under a curse anymore. And it just tells me that they were giving 
uh, not for the right reason. And again, the Scripture teaches three dimensions of giving. We don't give grudgingly. That's when you think you're under the law and you write your check for $33.10 because you don't want to beat God out of a penny, but you're still pinching that and folding it to the point where you're giving it grudgingly. The second dimension is giving of necessity because you have a need and you want to give in order to get. And see, all of these principles are in uh, there. They are in the Scripture, but the third dimension is the one he's after, which is the third dimension to me is most holy place giving. It's Melchizedek giving. It's giving from the realm of the Most High because the third dimension of giving is God loves a cheerful, quick-to-do-it giver. In other words, He just gives bountifully, and He's doing it from His heart. So I would just challenge you to start somewhere. Begin to, and, and, and just watch and see if God doesn't begin to rebuke the devourer for your sake. In other words, not just, on, not just for you, but because of you. Because what you sow, especially when you're dealing with ministries that are really touching the world. I understand, man. I, I've seen so much scam and so much manipulation. So I understand why people don't want to give. But I believe you're able to be led by the Spirit of God in what you do give. And so, I'm, I'm, listen, if you, if you are being taken advantage of and you're being put under a curse, man, I'm just saying run for your life. But if you're under new covenant and you're receiving bread and wine, then give back into that because I believe the tithe is a covenant connector. I believe we need covenant partners. I believe that, listen, in my local church, you can call it whatever you want to, I'm consistently a covenant giver because... That's what local churches depend on. It's amazing to me how much people uh, talk about and degrade, and we've, we, we've preached so hard against religion, I believe we've almost made people afraid to go to church, and people are disenfranchised with it. Some of them rightly so, because they've been so taken advantage of and manipulated and used that I don't blame them. But when you find something you can get behind that you can pour into, it takes covenant partnership to be able to do the things that we do. And it's amazing to me, the people that don't go to church, the moment they want to have a wedding or a funeral or, or they need somebody's electric bill paid or, or somebody to, you know, is hungry. And we have a food distribution ministry that we run in our church. We do all kinds of stuff. But I have to wonder sometimes, where do people think this money comes from? And it's amazing to me that we've done it for a number of years and very few of them have ever come back to the church and thank the church, or even attended a service. Now that we don't give because of that, but here's the thing: is that it takes somebody somewhere supporting it in order to do it. I think that's fair and balanced in what I'm teaching, and I believe that when you begin to realize that, God is able then to open you up and pour you out as a blessing, and you become the window in the heavens that God can pour out and rebuke the devourer for your sake because of the blessing that's upon you. I believe that He wants to make you the head, not the tail. The, the, the lender and not the borrower, make it more blessed to give than it is to receive. And I believe God is able to make all grace abound to you, especially when it flows from the heart and not because you have to. Because I believe the word of the kingdom and the word that flows from rest is a discerner of the thought and the intent of the heart. So if you quit giving after you found out you weren't under a curse, it was a heart issue. Now, I'm not saying that to be condemning. I'm just trying to tell you that what should happen is somewhere in this process, let God heal your heart and do what you do, not because you have to, but because you've considered how great this man is that you've encountered.
who has served you bread and wine. I'm not talking about me, I'm talking about Jesus. Now I believe there are in the earth ministers that are able ministers of the new covenant. And they are priesthood after the order of Melchizedek. And I believe when you sow into Melchizedek priesthood ministry, God really begins to multiply and bless the seed that you have sown. Now let me just go down because I want to read a few things I've got in my notes and I think we'll be done with this part of it. It says, I I, I put in this note, please note that there he receiveth them. It does not say he received them once. It says he continues to receive them. When we give our tithe, we give it to him who is still receiving it. If we are a priesthood, then one of the functions of the priest is to offer up gifts and sacrifices. One of the ways we do this is through our giving and from our heart. I've already talked about that. But the function of the high priest in chapter 7 of Hebrews is number one, first of all, to deliver perfection. Perfection was not based on, I'm sorry, the Levitical priesthood. It was based on the offering of Jesus Christ. For by one offering, Hebrews 10 says, he hath perfected forever them who are sanctified. So perfection is based on the Melchizedek priesthood. Uh, Number two, he does not function from a carnal commandment, but from the power of an endless life. So what we do is not because he didn't function from a carnal commandment. He functions from a power of an endless life. We function and do what we do because we are takers of this life. Number three, he disannulled the commandment because of the weakness and unprofitableness of it there and delivers perfection through a better hope. Number four, he was made a surety of a better testament. Number five, he continues forever and has an unchangeable priesthood. Number six, he is able to save them to the uttermost that come to God by him and he does ever live to make intersection for us. That's the ongoing ministry of the priest after the order of Melchizedek. He was made a priest, not after the law of a commandment, but by an oath. This leads us into chapter 8, where of the things which we have spoken, this is what it all adds up to. This is the sum. He is the minister of the true tabernacle, which the Lord pitched and not man. The tabernacle in the heavens, of which the earthly tabernacle was only a pattern. Now, as high priest with the more excellent ministry, he is the mediator of a better covenant established on better promises. I don't, I believe that's fair and balanced. You say, well, Brother Howes, I don't believe that. Then you operate in what you believe. I'm just telling you what I do. And I think that's really, I get letters about this more than anything else. And this is probably one of the first times I've really ever released it on this level because I believe every pastor has the right to teach in his own local church what he believes God is saying. And then the people have a right to either accept it or refuse it. See, I'm not going to force you again, but I believe this is fair and balanced. And I believe it would, I believe once you really see you're set free and you really begin to see what a benefit and a blessing it is to consider how great this man is, you will never have a problem giving because God will open you up as a window of heaven, pour you out a blessing. Thank you for joining us. I believe this segment ought to be a blessing. If you have been blessed by this and you would like to sow into our ministry, we welcome that and we thank you. I didn't teach this to manipulate you, but if you believe we are serving bread and wine, and you believe we are worthy to be partnered with and given to, then call the number on the screen. Somebody be standing back and take your credit card. You can write a check and send it to the address that will come on the screen to Lenhouse Ministries. You can go to our website and give via credit card or debit card there through PayPal. And you can sign up also for a monthly debit if you'd like to become a partner with our ministry. It is your gifts that help us take the gospel around the world. Thank you for joining us. God bless you. 
I'm very excited to announce the release of my newest book. It is titled, From Law to Grace, A Kingdom Paradigm Shift. In this book, we talk about how the gospel is not about a law you have to keep. It is about receiving a life that will keep you. It is not about living this life out of fear. It is about living a life of faith. It is not about rules. It's about a relationship with a loving Father. It is about moving from the old covenant government of condemnation to the new covenant government of affirmation. It is about living life as a citizen of the kingdom right now.